is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have in-depth conversations surrounding sex and sexuality. Today, I have a guest that is literally sitting at the beach right now. (laughs) So you just might hear some ambient, lovely ambient, relaxing ocean noises. (laughs) You're welcome for the extra added meditation-like track. But without further ado, please welcome to the pod, everyone. Lifestyle submissive, Apples. Hello, Apples. Hi, Erin. How are you on that beach? I am so wonderful on this beach today, and I'm really glad I picked this spot. I have to say, I this might be my first beach interview. <laughs> Well, I hope more people go to different places where you can hear ambient nature sounds. Right? Yeah, we should record, like, somebody should be in a forest so you can hear, like, foresty sounds. This could be a whole new series. (laughs) Nature sounds, sexy conversations. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that a nice pairing? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, we're going to talk about a few different topics, maybe one kind of general topic, but lots of little little ones in between. Basically, you're teaching a workshop at my place of employment, the Ritual Chamber. The Ritual Chamber. Yeah, yeah. Pretty soon. What is the title of your workshop? My workshop is called Consent, Harm, and Empowerment, A Submissive's Perspective. Mm. Deep shit. Deep stuff. It's really deep. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about integrity and submission and owning our power. There's lots of stuff going on. Yeah, like what a massive topic. Um, What made you want to write this course and bring it to Ritual Chamber? I want what I didn't have entering the scene. When I was 21, going to my first party There were so many workshops available for dominance. And if I wanted to be a dominant, I had so many options available to me. Yeah. Um, But it was like submission, you you just hang out, you be submissive, and some top will teach you how. Yeah. Sort of. Some some top will do things to you. (laughs) Yeah. They will do things to you, and once they have been done to you, you will know what submission is. (laughs) The end. (laughs) what a comprehensive guide (laughs) wow so helpful I know all about safety now yeah like it's so true you really the disproportionate amount of like uh, educational resources for dominance and all the fine skills of all a bunch of different kinks like far 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 outweigh like anything that is being presented um to bottoms to subs um surrounding their skills their skill sets Mm -hmm. 
I know Luna Matadas. Yes. Does a bunch of Submissive 101 things. Who's been on your podcast before? Let's just shout out to her. Oh, always a shout out to Luna, <laughs> to my pal Luna. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I can't say that I've really seen workshops outside of the one that you're going to run and outside of the ones Luna currently runs. There's really not a lot out there. And I feel like the misconception can be since, you know, maybe you're a curious inquiring subby person and you're looking around trying to find information not really finding anything the assumption can be like oh I guess I guess I just lay there <laughs> I guess I just yeah, I just do submission things and someone will dominate me yeah. it creates an expectation so when did you as a young adult you know begin finding about finding out about like submissive skills bottoming skills i found them all the hard way yeah by um failing actually i really i think that's some people that i have bottomed for i've learned a lot bottoming for people in a way that i would never bottom the way that i am now like i have learned so much there are so many things i would never do that I did back then. Can you give us some examples? Yeah, I was at my very first scene, the very first play party in Toronto, and I saw someone playing, and I was like, oh, that looks fun. I want to do that. And I asked them if they wanted to play, and we did an impact scene, like a heavy impact scene. Wow. First party in Toronto. I know nothing. This person knows nothing about me. We didn't negotiate aftercare. We didn't negotiate almost anything. What was said? Was anything said other than let's play? <laughs> I can't remember because it was so long ago, but I feel like there was some vague, like, like what kinds of things would you like to do? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're new. Okay. Let's take that into account. Okay. But uh, I would never in a million years today pick up with a completely random person at a party and play very far outside my skill level as a bottom. Yeah, I would hope not, yeah. <laughs> what does negotiation look, for, look like for you nowadays? So today I would take a lot more time to negotiate. Uh, I would only play with people who maybe I knew before. I've seen them at these parties or I know them from the community and I know that we both like the same things. Mm -hmm. And maybe in that case, I would be okay with pickup play and I think it would be fun because I know that we're both playing within our skill levels. But if I want to play outside my skill level, uh, I have like a 15 question list that mm -hmm. I like to send my tops. There's questions like, how do you like to feel uh, when you're playing? How do you navigate difficult feelings when they come up? Important stuff. Important stuff. My favorite question is, is I don't feel like it a good reason to say yellow? I mean, definitely. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> and if, if there's anything on there that's not yes, uh, that's an instant we're not playing. And how did you develop that process? by making many mistakes while playing. Yeah. 
for a long time, I couldn't say yellow just because I didn't feel like doing something. I remember the moment where I, I was lying down and my top picked up a cane and I, I was just like, I don't want the cane right now. And I just said yellow. And at that moment, I was like, I have never been able to do this thing before, where I didn't want the cane in that moment. And I could just say, I don't feel like that thing, even though I could take it if I tried. Yeah, and even though you may have talked about a cane previously, maybe you have played with a cane with this person previously, in this particular case, we were using the cane earlier. <laughs> yeah, then that's a. It was literally just later in the session that I didn't feel like cane anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, can you tell me maybe why you wouldn't have been able to say yellow in the past? What are some of those things that you're coming up against as a submissive that would stop you from saying yellow when you wanted to? I think shame would come up, yeah. like, oh, I said I would take it, or they want to do this thing, I want to be a good submissive, whatever that means. Yeah, like people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or my needs don't matter. Or I could bear it. I could tolerate this as long as the other person's enjoying it. But what yeah. I've actually learned is that most tops don't enjoy watching bottoms tolerate something. Definitely. You want to be facilitating a scene for someone. You know, if it's for someone, then the whole point is that they're having a good time, you know? Mm -hmm. If it's something where it's much more mutual in the satisfaction, then even, you know, a lot of dominance really get off when they see their sub is getting off so there's that element and then there's just like the basic humanity element <laughs> of like you know you don't want to be doing someone doing something to someone that they don't enjoy and like not in a like in a bad way not enjoying like some people you know like certain uh like <laughs> you know, feelings of being uncomfortable in a scene, of course, and pain, even though it feels bad, it feels good. Like there's a lot of that, but like when they're genuine, genuinely not enjoying themselves, it's not, we're bored. It's not it. Bored is terrible. I no, don't see oh my, bored. oh my God. That's the last thing I want to see is bored. Maybe not the last thing, but it's up there. It's top five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're whipping out your cane and your bottom is bored. Oh, terrible. <laughs> My nightmare, really. Oh, my God. I just retire. <laughs> Yawn, Lady Pim. Can we please do something else? Get me out of here. Oh, I couldn't take it. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's fine. Oh, no. And then leaves me a testimonial that's like, Lady Pim was perfectly adequate. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Oh my god. But yeah, no, I feel like this is um, this is something I feel like that isn't really talked about that often. Usually it's like, okay, what are our safe words? Let's set up safe words and then here we go. And I don't think that people often 
are really understanding the nuances of like why someone wouldn't use their safe words, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like that's very common actually, that people won't say yellow, that people won't say red or whatever else, pineapple, <laughs> pineapple Sunday, yeah. Ho- hootie tootie fresh and fruity. Um, they just won't say it. I've also been like unable to speak so I couldn't use my safe word. Yeah, like you literally are in an altered mental state. Maybe maybe you're in shock. Maybe you're yeah. disassociating. Maybe you're in subspace. You know, it could be in a good way. You're in subspace. Like there are a, a whole swath of reasons why someone wouldn't be able to communicate their safe words in a scene. Yep. Irregardless of you know, maybe the dominant has created a safe space for you, but Mm -hmm. even still, sometimes it's hard. You want to, like you said, quote unquote, be a good sub, whatever that means, you know? (laughs) But also I've been in like a heavy impact scene where the pain is so blinding Mm. that like, I'm at my edge. I think it's time to stop and I have no words. I can't, like, I cannot communicate in that moment. Because you're in too much pain. Mm-hmm. That's frightening. Ugh, as a top, that's frightening. I, that's frightening as a bottom as well, and yeah. I try really hard not to go there. Yeah, but, hey, sometimes you just end up there in a scene, right? And that's life. Yeah. Like, you might get in a situation where you can't say your safe word for whatever reason. Like, the other, I feel like another common reason is... Uh, you kind of mentioned it, like, oh, I can bear it or I can get through it. But I think in the moment it's like, oh, it, well, it might be almost over. Mm-hmm. You know, that I feel too. like that's common. Like, if they're done in a, a minute, then that's fine. And I'll just try and tough this out because they're probably almost done. It's almost over. I can yeah. do this for, like, 30 more seconds. Yeah. So why yellow when I could finish this activity and not have to mm-hmm. like these internalized these internal battles conflicts pressures we put on ourselves as submissives right yeah yeah at a friend's suggestion actually a question that got added to my list of negotiation questions at the end was have you ever not been able to use your safe word yeah wow yep yep Actually, it's worded differently. It says, if applicable, describe a time that you couldn't use your safe word. Because I have not met one person that has, at any given point in time, at least once, not been able to use their safe word. I I feel like that is so... That is exactly it. It's that common. I truly, truly, truly believe it. I'm I'm a switch as well. I'm a lifestyle switch. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've been there numerous times as a bottom or a submissive. Yeah, and it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice to say yellow. And I feel like I wish that early on, tops had asked me to practice our safe words more. Yes. Um, I actually like to, at the beginning, practice using my safe words before I play with someone new. So what does that look like? That means that before the scene, we run through what the safe words are, uh, and I practice saying them 
or if there, it's a nonverbal, we practice the communication uh, so that I can know what it feels like to say yellow to the person in front of me yeah. or red or I have hand squeezes, as you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and have you found that that is helpful to you? Yes. Can you talk about how we might learn and practice to say our safe words? I can say from the way that I would do it. Yeah. I would ask my top, like we're gonna do a quick 30 second scenario and I'm gonna say yellow. They're gonna say something to me. May I touch you? Uh, I'm gonna hit you 30 times. Let me put this ball gag in your mouth, like anything. And I'm yeah. gonna say yellow to it. And then we just do that a few times to the different things that maybe I want to do during that play session. I love that. I think that's a great, a great way to do that. Or before you even play together, just do a little kind of pretend scene maybe, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a full scene with just some really light, um, moderate, mild stuff happening. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say mild, moderate stuff can't, can't, uh, trigger people either but um, you know maybe a little scene where the game is to say as many yellows as possible you know and and let's navigate each one together yeah a little practice scene yeah like yeah exactly yeah that, that like a little training wheel scene like let's create this little game where I'm gonna give you two options perhaps you know I'm going to hit you with the wooden paddle. I'm going to hit you with this leather, leather paddle. And basically, I'm going to give you kind of choices. And you're going to choose one over the other, mm -hmm. you know, or you're going to yellow. I like this idea. Yep. This is exactly it. Just a quick practice. And it, it's, it can be personally really scary to say no to the person I'm playing with. Oh my god, yes. I like them. Whoever I'm playing with, I like them. <laughs> Ideally, you like them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about other people, but I'm not going to play with somebody I don't already like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to disappoint someone you like. Yeah. It just is. It's hard to say no in my life. Yeah. Like, it's hard to say no to my mom. It's hard yeah. to say no to my <laughs> boss. It's hard to say no to my friends. So why would it be any different in an intense power dynamic with all kinds of things going on? Exactly. exactly. No, it'll be easy to say no when I'm in the most stressful of stressful situations. Yeah. When I can't do it in my daily life. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so true, though. Like, we all, and I think we, everyone can identify with that having trouble saying no just to people yeah <laughs> in life like so it makes sense that if you already are struggling with this this will be intensified yeah. in a case scene <laughs> yeah whatever is going on in your life just turn the volume up it'll come up in the king scene i guarantee you yeah 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 have you found that the more you've worked on this in kink in a kink context does it bleed over into your life that you're able to kind of create better boundaries and maybe say no to people a little easier? Yes. Yeah. That's I, one of the points of my workshop actually is that yeah, you yeah. can take this back into your regular life. It's much easier for me to say no at work 
or no to my parents, which were very difficult. Yeah, yeah, they all are, um, <laughs> varying degrees. <laughs> but I feel like I've learned so much from kink and from sex work as well um, in that way that I've just you need to have these skills to be a sex worker. You need to have these skills to be a professional dominant and to be, you know, to show up as your best self as a kinkster on either mm -hmm. side of the slash, whatever word you identify with. These are skills you need to have. So I think it actually took that long for me to really develop them. And I can see the ripple effect in my personal life outside of the dungeon <laughs> big time can i amplify what you just said of course you just said you needed to have it be your job yeah. you're a professional dominant you're doing sex work yeah. in order for it to become important enough yeah to right. learn it and i want to play with people who have these skills but aren't it's not necessarily their job <laughs> <laughs> can we just all have a few more skills Please, could we? Because uh, then we can also argue. When, when I can say no, mm -hmm. my yes is that much more generous. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. You kind of gave me a bit of a, bit of an outline, via email about what we might talk about. <laughs> yes. Can you talk about this? How a generous yeses and noes can be. What you mean by that? Yes. Generous boundaries, etc. Generous boundaries. Boundaries are generous. When I say no to the things that are lukewarm for me, I have more room for the things that I have a hell yes for. <laughs> and if I'm busy spending all my time on things that are just kind of like, eh, it's okay, I could tolerate it, then I don't have a whole lot of energy to even figure out what I actually want or time. And it's so much more joyous to play with someone who is there with a hell yes. <laughs> Love that. This kind of reminds me of playing with like tease and denial and like big extremes like this where the absence of something makes the thing feel that much more, that much bigger um, when you finally get it. <laughs> yeah. You know that kind of a concept? It's like, okay, if we're doing temperature play, like, then let's cool, cool it down to, like, negative mm. five so that a positive ten feels, like, that much more intense. You oh, know? my goodness. <laughs> That's kind of what this, like, rem is reminding me of. It's like, the more you say no, the more enthusiastic and, like, just joyous these yeses will feel. Well, have you ever said yes to helping someone move when you weren't actually available to help them move? <laughs> Or just didn't want to. <laughs> or just didn't want to. And then you show up and you're kind of like, oh, why do I have to be here? Yeah. And they can feel that too. And they were kind of like, I asked you uh, <laughs> if you didn't want to be here, you didn't have to. You said yes. Like, I don't understand what what's going on here. Um, whereas if the person had just said, no, I can't help you move. The person who needed help would have an opportunity to ask someone else who was more available to help them move. Who really wanted to show up. And then that day would yeah. have probably been a lot nicer. <laughs> it would have went smoother. 
would have been smooth <laughs> not having a yeah, Sour so Patch say Kid no. in the group. <laughs> say no. <laughs> and you know what? As a dominant, as a professional dominant, I'll say when I hear no's, that is welcome to me because it's giving me guidelines. Number one, it's telling me you have bottoming skills, which is very important to me. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, that much more trusting of you that you know your boundaries and will enforce them which makes mm -hmm. me feel more comfortable. And then on top of that, it allows me to be able to improvise better and play within the scene a little easier because now I have like, like a draw, like, um, you know, a coloring book, you know, mm -hmm. now I have some lines, I have some guidelines and I can play within it. That's a lot easier of a job for me than the person that shows up and is just like, do whatever you want to me, mistress. And I'm like, ugh. now I got to now I know it's not going to be this really quote unquote successful scene because I'm literally getting nothing, giving, they're giving me nothing to work with. Yep. So I really don't know when they're going to be really enjoying something and feeling mad or bored even worse. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I, they're just kind of leaving it up to me. I would much, much rather as a top facilitating a scene to have, give me some boundaries. So I know what we're doing here and what you really want to do. Yes, I agree with you. And also as a bottom, I love hearing no from my top. Nice. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, now I can ask for something else. Now I know which direction to go to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point that um, it obviously works both ways. Like dominant people can have safe words and say no all they want. Yeah, like if I'm like, hit me 30 times and my dom's like, I don't feel like doing that right now. Okay. <laughs> What do you want to do? You Like, we have some things that we both like. What do you want to do right now? Ideally, both people really want to do. You both want to do what you're both enthusiastic about. So mm -hmm. I think all too often when in-depth negotiation isn't done, it ends up happening where you're in a scene and one person is kind of mad on something, right? Yeah. And I don't think we have that conversation about consent enough. It's like, okay, like how many of us have had just bad sex and bad scenes that aren't necessarily consent violations? Like there's this whole huge spectrum of just bad scenes and bad sex yep. <laughs> that we don't talk about. We talk about, you know, consent violations and then we talk about those those perfect scenes and you know really really good sex it's like there's so much in between there's so much nuance in between those two extremes let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Comeasyouare.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at comeasyouare.com.
Yes, and I feel like there's also nuance to what a consent violation is. Because mm -hmm. I feel like we only talk about the most violent and direct ones. Like, I said, don't kiss me, and you kissed me. Yes. A plus B equals consent violation. Uh, but what about, like, something a bit more subtle? Um, what if I said yes to kissing my neck, and we've moved to, let's say, my lips? And I couldn't say no. And then I actually don't want that anymore. So I pushed them away. That's not a consent violation to me. They had consent to kiss me and then they did something inside kissing. But I also didn't like it. I changed my mind. I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. And then what? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that when consent conversations come up, it's about blame and punishment. Who can we blame? It's your fault for not saying no, or it's your fault for, like, blasting through my boundaries. Yeah. And this is what you deserve, or you should be punished in some X, Y, and Z way. And I just don't think that punishment gets us anywhere in terms of learning empowered relating yeah i think consent violations are more collaborative um than people realize than people might realize mm -hmm. there are so many reasons consent consent violations can happen you know perhaps there was a lack of in-depth negotiation that i'm sure happens pretty fucking often where it's yep. like mostly you know we talked about the main thing we were going to do in the scene and you know, it mostly went all right, but there were little bits and pieces that just didn't sit right with me, mm -hmm. you know, and that I would have rather not done. And we didn't talk about it because I forgot to mention stuff like that because I didn't think it would ha be happening in the scene. You know, like lots of reasons that these little smaller scale consent violations or just, you know, in the category of bad sex, whatever, however you want to call it, happen throughout sex and happen throughout scenes. I think that's very common. Because you just can't, even two really seasoned negotiators, I feel like, it's not something you can guarantee won't happen. There's just so much involved in consent. Right, and also when we're talking about consent and consent violation, we're usually talking about dominance violating a submissive's consent. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it goes in that one direction. No. I think that there are much, I think we spend more time talking about those because they can be so much more violent and have like deeper consequences. But I think coming up to someone and treating them like a kink dispenser yeah. is also Oof. violating consent. If I'm a submissive and I just come up to you at a party, hey Aaron, nice to meet you. Do you want to do X, Y, and Z to me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who are you even? <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I would never dream of walking up to a dominant and saying that. That's so my reaction is also why? Why do yeah. people do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's that narrow kind of blinders on kind of thinking of like I'm here to get these things done to me. 
I mean, I, I experienced that a lot <laughs> professionally because um, mm. I'm a service provider. You know, I'm a I'm a service top in a lot of ways at work, right? Yeah. Or people come in with a list, you know, and they don't happen <laughs> to want to hear my list, you know, because they're oh, no. paying for this service and I'm facilitating their experience. It's about them, right? Great, but you're also not a robot. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm at work, but also I'm a fucking human. Like, so... Can we talk about that? Can we talk yes, about being please. human? I feel like the heart of this is coming into a conversation in role. Mm-hmm. But there is no agreement to be in role. Yeah. So if I meet you at a party and I say, hey, my name is Apples, who are you? I'm actually saying that as a human being, not as a submissive yet. We have to then, in my book, negotiate that we would like to do something in role later. Definitely, because even, like, I mean, the assumption that all kink has a power dynamic on it is also incorrect. It's like, you mm-hmm. can do lots of different kinks, lots of different looking scenes that have no power dynamic attached whatsoever. So to just assume that you're going to, you're dominant, you're going to do things to me, right? It's like, well, not necessarily. Um, How do you even know I'm interested? Yeah, or yeah, that I even identify in that role or like to play in that role or want to play with you in that role or do yeah. that publicly if it's at a party, you know, lots of, yeah. lots and lots of questions. But yeah, no, this is very important. I think that I deal with a lot, again, just being a professional, people approach me already in their submissive role constantly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I literally don't know you. And you are literally just like, oh, you're, you're already you're emailing me this is the first email i've ever received from you you're already in your submissive role asking to serve me and blah 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 you know before even asking me how i want to be served like that question never happens (laughs) let me tell you oh boy (laughs) i feel like i asked that question what do you want to do yeah what do you like i love asking that question because then I like doing collaborative scenes. But yeah, to just receive an email from a stranger in role without any agreement that the role is happening. What a massive red flag. And what a consent violation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels violating. It does. I'll, if yeah. somebody just starts talking to you as though you are a to- like their top, their yes. dominant. Yes. That feels very personal and not agreed to at all. <laughs> like, yeah, if people are curious if that's consent violation or not, that's a great way to find out being like, did I feel violated reading that email? I sure as fuck did. I hated it. I couldn't delete it fast enough. Yeah, that sounds terrible. I would, yeah. I would never want to receive that. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, me being, you know, what I like to think of as a mindful practitioner, as an ethical, you know, practitioner of kink, would I literally ever write an email like that to someone I don't know, and I'm not in a power dynamic with, like, would I ever even think about it? I'm like, people just don't know. People just don't have any skills when it comes to this. Nothing. Like, I'm like, okay, so what leads a person to write you an email like that? That's my question. I'm like, 
what is going on in this person's head? Because they're not like, oh, I want to make this person who I want to serve really angry at me. That's not what they're thinking when they write you an email. I'm going to make this person hate me so that they never want to play with me. <laughs> Little do they know. That's exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly what they're doing, but that's not what they're trying to do. That's not their, they're looking for connection. Yeah, unless it's actually people who don't know the difference between the reality and fantasy of, like, a humiliation king, for instance. And they'll actually try mm-hmm. to manipulate you um, into responding, like trolling you, essentially, right? To make you bad. Which is another level. A whole other level. That's, an, that's like, the violence level. Yes. Agreed. That's yeah. the, it's very clear. This is obviously a violation. But if we bring it back to the subtle level yeah, yeah, of yeah. somebody whose goal is to connect with you. But the email they've written to you is obviously one that puts you far away. I think that's so, I think that is like, just that little tidbit. Don't email a dominatrix in role. I think that is such a valuable tidbit, honestly. Like it seems so common sensey and basic, but like I think that little tidbit right there, if people had access to that sentence (laughs) like what is going on in the world (laughs) that people don't know that that they think that the thing (laughs) that they should do the right thing to do is to say to email enroll yes yes like like why are there no resources available for them I'm sorry, it's honestly funny to me that that sentence could help, could eliminate so much spam out of dominatrix's emails. (laughs) Like, Like if they think, you know, people really build kink up in their heads. I feel like they really build it up. It's terrifying. It's not accessible. (laughs) And they've only lived in their fantasies. Mm -hmm. So they're like, the only thing I know how to do come in from my fantasy that's the only way i know how to communicate about this very personal subject wow so how did like when did you first know that that wasn't the thing to do when were you first realizing that you needed to approach you know other kinksters other people you wanted to play with perhaps on this human level i feel like it was innate i don't remember a time i remember like, I remember acting more submissive to try and get people to want to play with me. Mm. And then realizing that me putting myself underneath them before we've ever negotiated anything uh, always ended in me feeling like I was violated. Mm-hmm. So when I didn't bring my responsibility to the table when I didn't bring my power and my role because if I want to play with another person they want to play with me we all need each other we can't we can do it by ourselves but not if we only want to play one role (laughs) (laughs) at a time one role at a time (laughs) one thing at a time people yeah yeah I just um I really think that's so important to negotiate outside of role because one of those things, I think one of the main reasons that people may not be able to say yellow in scenes is because 
you're already under the you're already in the fantasy yeah you're under the influence really of the power dynamic right yeah so in a scene you know you have very defined roles if you're doing a ds scene and the fantasy of the submissive you know is that they get they're getting used you know whatever it is getting abused the dominant is doing whatever the hell they want to them for fun because it amuses them you know so being if you're a person who just lives in that fantasy and really don't doesn't have the skills to connect and talk and communicate on a human to human level it's like yeah you would never say yellow because you don't know the difference between fantasy and reality yeah all my scenes were disappointing when i came at them from this perspective of like i'm gonna be under and i wanted to have more connected scenes I wanted to have more moments of joy, more moments of connection, and particularly like really enth- enthusiastic connection. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted those things, I was going to have to do a whole lot of hard work. <laughs> it is hard work to bring myself up to the equal power table. Yeah, is it? It is a lot easier to just be like, no, I'm a submissive, I have no needs. <laughs> what? Don't look at me. Same Don't yellow. perceive me. <laughs> no. Just hit me. Just <laughs> just do things to me. I am your starfish. Yeah. yeah. It's easier. It is. And then I get to decide whether I liked it or not after it's been done to me. Yeah. And how nice for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with complete disregard for the person topping. Can you talk about... You talked about, like, yearning for a type of connection, enthusiastic connection, right? Yes. Um, I feel like that's at the heart of a lot of people's kinks. Would you agree? Like, they're not, yes. they're not getting that elsewhere in their lives. I would say that's why people come to kink most of the time. Yeah. Not necessarily fetishists, because I know there's a difference. Right, yes, definitely. Uh, But definitely when it comes to at least power dynamics, which is what I'm experienced in, it's always for connection. I always try to start, like, within the negotiation, especially if there's someone who's kind of new to doing their kinks with other people. I really like to talk about the focus of the scene you know how where I want the focus of the scene to be and the focus of the scene I want to be you and I being in this room you know mm-hmm. experiencing this together mm-hmm. like you know we can talk about what activities we want to do and all that kind of stuff but that to me that's secondary to this intention of connection that's what it's about and there's so much more room when it's about connection. There's more room for mistakes. There's more room for things that are lukewarm. And it's easier to just say no to things knowing that, oh, I want connection, so I want to say no to this thing because I think it'll take me out of connection. Rather than, can I take this thing that's about to happen? And I think that's interesting when you just made me think, when it is about connection and not so much the activities that we're doing, it might be easier to say no to an activity because that's not the important part. The important part is you and I 
experiencing this thing together and enjoying our time together. So, you know, nobody cares if you say no to a certain activity because it's not about the activity. It's about you and I. Exactly. That's interesting. Oh, should we talk more specifically about your workshop at this point to entice, to entice the listeners? Sure. Please come. (laughs) I would love to see you there. (laughs) What is, tell me like what all your workshop is about. Like what are the main bullet points here? Because that's a huge topic. So the main bullet points are, I'll just tell you what the workshop outline is. Yeah, Um, yeah. In the first half, I like to talk about what uh, consensual submission looks like. Uh, What consent violations look like from the submissive side, which we talked a little bit about here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about how the top feels. (laughs) What is the harm? Like, what are the consequences? when we approach submission from this place of non-consent because it harms the person we're talking to but it also harms us Mm -hmm. because then we can't get our connection we want it we want that connection (laughs) (laughs) we want like I want the person I'm playing with to like me Mm -hmm. I like them and I want them to like me I don't want to make them angry at my first opening (laughs) email (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> immediately just immediately angry yeah immediately we don't want angry. that no <laughs> no and then in the second half uh i talk about how we're gonna get there like yeah. what does empowerment look like for, like as a submissive because it might sound a bit of a moron empowered submissive mm-hmm. can you talk just very briefly about that specifically empowerment as a submissive to me it means i am responsible for my own safety my own joy and what i bring to the table at the i am just as responsible uh, for the influence that i have in like my play partner's experience of dominance as they have in my experience of submission this is so interesting. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most submissives may not be <laughs> approaching their kink this way. And it's so refreshing, well, maybe honestly. Maybe they just need some trauma. Maybe they... <laughs> yeah. Maybe, because it's a trauma response. Yeah. It's a maybe, trauma response. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's a trauma response. Um, Why did I work so hard, trauma? Oh, same. Oh, that particularly same. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like, like I've had sessions recently where this, the person will tell me after the scene is done, oh, I really wanted to do this in the moment. Oh, I really, like, this was the, you know, thing that I wanted, to, that I was thinking of then. And it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you let me know? I'm, why I'm here you for you. So? Yeah, I'm here for you. Mm. Like. I feel like it might be this stigma of, like, people that don't want to top from the bottom, quote-unquote. Yeah. I don't think that's topping from the bottom, though. I think no, that's I don't either. Being an equal partner in the relationship that you're creating. And, like, it's getting your needs met. Like, 
I'm here for you. If your needs are not getting met, then I'm not doing my job. So help me help you, <laughs> you know? Yep. And like you said, the more that someone tells you what they do want, the more, like, you, now you have an outline. You can color it in. Easy now. Yeah. And I feel like that the idea of an empowered submissive and the fact that you, it's your responsibility to get your needs met, you know? And I'm coming in as another party here to help you do that, you know, to maybe guide you or whatever my role is in what, whatever the particular scene is, facilitate that as a professional I'm talking. But like, it's ultimately your responsibility yeah. to make sure that happens. And also not to say that if a scene doesn't go your way, it's your fault. I'm, you know, if that's right. hundred you know, percent. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't mean to say that like, you know, if you walk away, not feeling good about the scene, it's your fault. It's because it was your responsibility to make sure it went flawlessly. No, of course not. Cause there's a whole other human in the room, but yes. If you focus on making sure your needs are met, then dominant can also focus on making sure their own needs are met. Yep. And, and then you can play together instead of the dominant somehow magically having to meet their needs and their bottoms needs and mind reading their bottoms needs yeah yes <laughs> like how how could they ever do that especially in a pro scene where this is literally the first time i've met you like speak up say something because i don't know and i'm yeah. good at my show job and i still don't know unless you tell me show up to the table with what you have to offer yeah show up with something yeah, so the second half of the workshop is figuring out how, or is me helping participants figure out what they have to offer. Amazing. I think that's so fucking valuable. That's why I made it, because it was not available. It's nowhere. <laughs> no one else was offering this, so I was like, well, then I'm going to make it. So what do you mean exactly by that? Um, showing what you, what did you say? Showing what you have to offer? Or, um, can you tell me what that figure means? Figure out your why. Yeah. Figuring out what you have to offer is like, is knowing why you're playing with this person, why you're playing at all. Like yeah. really knowing your whys and knowing how, um, how you're also gonna influence the person you're playing with. Like why does this other person wanna play with you? Who is your ideal play partner? Like when you figure out what you want, and why you want it, then you're not just randomly approaching dominance <laughs> in this like complete lottery of like, oh, well, maybe it'll work with someone. Like you, as a submissive, you're empowered to be like, this is what I want. Uh, this is how I want to feel. This is what a dominant would be interested in playing with me for. And then the other shit. person, can just yeah I know my shit and then the other person can be like you know I'm really not interested in that thing I don't think we'd make a good match okay cool we didn't have to go through a whole like play <laughs> session and then the emotional turmoil after of it having not gone well and then having to talk about it like no we just move on before we ever start easier much easier, quicker. <laughs> yeah. And if it's a professional you're booking, you just saved a lot of money. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I see this inch. I, I see this as um, maybe something that people 
when you're saying, you know, figuring out what you have to offer, I feel like people are not thinking about knowing your shit. That's something to offer. But that is the hugest, most valuable, important thing to offer. And that will make you stand out like so much. Mm. You know, that really is a gift to a Dom. Just knowing your intentions with this scene, you know, knowing your boundaries, having bottoming skills, like all these things are very valuable. Like when we talk about what do you have to offer? I feel like people might think, well, I can bring, I can do service in this way to you. I can bring you gifts and, you know, of this kind. I can Those are be, all things. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about why we want those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are those things good? And even stuff like, well, I can be your little punching bag mistress. You know, that's what I can do for you. That's what I can offer you. Great. I don't want a punching bag. Goodbye. I can <laughs> offer my body as a fuck toy. So when you're horny, you can fuck something. You know, I'll be your little fuck toy. It's like, that's, I think those are the things Ouch. that submissives usually go to when they're thinking of what do I have to offer? They're like, oh, well, you can, they don't think of, well, I can have bottoming skills. That's what I have to offer. Yeah. What makes it fun about playing with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think is because anyone can be a punching bag. Anyone can be a fuck toy. Yep. Uh, why do I want to play with you specifically? Yeah. Why are you going to be my precious little fuck toy? You know, why are yeah. you going to be my favorite what makes toy? You, <laughs> yeah. What makes you the best punching bag? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and know what makes you the p best punching bag? Knowing your fucking boundaries and limits surrounding yeah. being punched. Yeah, like, oh, I can tell you exactly how far is too far. Mm -hmm. I can, like, on the fly, say, I know that this was okay last time, but, you know, I didn't sleep well last night, so I, I can't do as much this time. Yeah. And there's a lot more trust. Like, the minute I can trust you with your own shit, like so many possibilities yeah yeah so many possibilities and even just the ethics of the whole situation right like i sometimes find myself in a scene you know at work or otherwise with a lack of information right and for mm. a person that really wants to operate ethically that can sometimes be a conflict for me mm -hmm. you know like on that level too i'm like if you're showing up with skills and I can trust you that you're gonna look out for your own safety, suddenly I feel really great about the scene we're gonna do together. Yeah. yeah. And it'll probably go so much deeper because you trust each other more. You trust that they have their own back. Yeah, we can actually play now. Like, I don't have to do this little surface level scene. Mm-hmm. When I have full trust in you. Yeah. Surrounding your boundaries. Um, we are just about at time, Apples. I would love for you to tell us when your class is and how we can sign up. My class is on Friday, November 5th. You can sign up through the Ritual Chamber website. I think it's theritualchamber.ca slash events. Is I there... do not have any 
pages, I, unfortunately. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm like, <laughs> is there anywhere? I don't think you're anywhere that you want people to find and follow I am you. not anywhere yet to find and follow. Uh, if somebody wants to send me an email because they have questions, mm -hmm. I am happy to receive one. My email is apples at creatingspacetmc.com. Uh, the TMC stands for Time Massage Movement and Connection, if it makes it easier to remember. I was wondering what those three letters were at the end <laughs> when I typed it. <laughs> yes, Today. there are many things happening. There are many pieces being chipped away at at this business, and it will one day launch. <laughs> <laughs> I want that for you. I love that for you. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, email me. I want to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah, and if you, um, if people also want to shoot me an email at thebedpostsexual@gmail.com, I can also pass that along to Apples. If yep. you uh, would rather just email me. But um, apples, this has been so lovely. I think we, I think we did a little more than skim the surface. But I know this is just such a huge, a bigger conversation to have. I'd love to have you back. A open invitation to you, and I wish you all the best with your class. I think this podcast will really get people thinking and hopefully signing up. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, so much for having me. No, oh, it's my absolute uh, you're pleasure. You're really wonderful. Oh no, you. Yeah, I, I listen to your podcast. I really enjoy it. Oh. Uh, I would love to come back. Amazing. <laughs> well, I'll hold you to it. Um, people, you should know where to follow me by now. I'm at the ladypim one on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. But if you must follow me on Instagram, I'm at the Bedpost Podcast or the Lady Pim. You can email me at the bedpost address I mentioned beforehand, or if it's domination related, you can email me at ladypim at protonmail.com. Well, we have a Patreon, The Beppo Show. We have a YouTube, The Beppo Show. And one last thank you to the lovely lady who does all the original music for my pod. Her name is Stephanie Copeland, and you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Apples, once again, thank you so much. This has been so lovely. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. And we'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality on the Bedpost Podcast. Get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.